Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Heavy Live with Scoopy. I am Brandon Scoopy, Robinson Senior Writer. At heavy.com, we are live via Periscope, via my Twitter account, at ScoopB, as well as through heavy.com's YouTube channel. Special guests in the flesh, we have Cherie DeVille. What's going on, man? Hello. Not much right now, just chilling at home. <laughs> How is that? You know what? It's pretty good. I Honestly... I know everyone can have a million complaints about the state of how we are, but I'm just blessed to have a roof and have a job and be sustaining and happy. So, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty good. Tell me something. I um, look at just COVID, self-reflection, and more. And I'm curious to know from your line of work, you are an adult film star. How does this pandemic affect people in your industry mentally? Well, I mean, a lot of us have an opportunity to sell our stuff online, which is great. But mentally, at least for me, I'm a hugely social person. I'm a major extrovert. So my days on set with my friends and, you know, the videographers and the camera people and the directors and the talent that I've grown to know over the past 10 years, having that all pulled away has been sad emotionally. It's like not being able to see a huge friend group anymore. So I'm, you know, I'm glad to be able to do small shoots and limited content, but I really can't wait to get back to normal work where I can see everybody and hang out. And yeah, yeah, it's been a bummer at work-wise. So I I come from, as we were talking previously or before we went live, I, I come from a sports background, basketball specifically. Um, and, you know, the NBA had a bubble uh, in, in Orlando, Florida. How does that work for your industry with taping? Are you guys not taping? How, like, I'm, I'm, I am perplexed. And yeah. how does that work? So there's some very limited filming going on. 
So there are some companies that are kind of back up and running and filming with sort of skeleton type crews. And when they do film, everybody needs a COVID test. There's all kinds of cleaning procedures. You know, everyone that's not performing together, even though they've had their 24-hour test, is masked. So it's definitely changed things. And it's, you know, they don't always have makeup anymore. They don't always have all the people that are normally on set. Sometimes it'll just be you and your talent and a camera person. I've done things where the director is... Uh, via Zoom only. So they've really kind of cut back on who's on set. And even if you are on set, they've changed the cleaning and COVID procedures pretty drastically. I think most companies are doing 24. Some are doing 48-hour testing, but that's kind of the, the way we're doing it now. But I would imagine that with the, the industry that you're in and, and the close contact, like there's no social distance in porn. No, that's why they have the talent and the everyone being COVID tested so so recently. Mm-hmm. Because you can't social distance. You can social distance from the crew. Yeah. Social distance from your talent. How does it, I guess looking towards the next year, what are you what are people in your industry envisioning vaccine, the future of people like what what are the discussions that are being had? I think a big game changer will be the vaccine. Although just like in our social lives, I wonder what some of the repercussions will be. Because of course, let's just assume you're willing to take the vaccine, which everybody isn't, but we'll just assume that the people are. There's still gonna be a problem because everyone's not gonna be able to take the vaccine day one. Mm -mm. So there's gonna be potentially months long periods where there are the people who have been lucky enough to have the vaccine and those who haven't. And I don't know if some companies are gonna say, okay, we're only working with vaccinated performers or we're only allowing vaccinated people on set. And then what will that mean for the finances of those who just haven't been fortunate enough or have had access to the vaccine or those who are choosing not to be vaccinated for a wide variety of reasons. I'm not sure what the the final plan will be, but those are the things that I'm concerned about. You know, what if for some reason I can't get the vaccine for three months. Will I be out of work for three months in terms of filming for other people? That's, it's gonna be tough, but, but not just an adult. You know, I wonder if, if unvaccinated people will be allowed to you know, sort of re-enter society once it's available. I think it's gonna be a, a complicated year even after the vaccine drops, unless for some reason they're able to produce it in quantities that they're not really anticipating right now. Algis Huxley wrote a book called Brave New World, and it seems as though this brave new world is that with the vaccine. I don't want to bore people with the vaccine. You are the star of the show, but your background is what's fascinating to me. Uh, just in looking, taking a cursory look um, at your, um, your your awards, you were consi- you were awarded with the XBiz Award uh, for MILF Performer of the Year. Um, what for me? The thing that I found interesting about your background uh, was the fact that you started in your 30s from from what people say or what I, what you observe. Most people start in their 20s. Oh, your, yeah. What were the pros? And, was that something you had considered in your 20s and you waited to your 30s? Walk me through that process. Radio. 
No, I mean, I have always enjoyed porn. I've always enjoyed watching porn. Um, before I was in the industry, I went to a lot of swingers clubs. So I've always been a bit of an exhibitionist. I've enjoyed mm -hmm. watched, but I just didn't know. It was kind of one of those careers where I was like, it, it seems so far away. It seems so distant. Right. I wouldn't have known where would I go? Who would I talk to? How would I get into it? So it wasn't that I would have said, oh my God, no, in my 20s. It was more that it just seemed like some far away fantasy land that I enjoyed on the computer. It wasn't until my 30s when I started doing a little bit of nude modeling that right. I was really approached by my current agent to see if I wanted to start porn. So honestly, if it hadn't been for that, I don't think I would have known where to start because for me, uh, I'm really, you know, kind of like risk adverse. I wouldn't have just been like, oh, random person shooting in their basement. This seems like a great idea. <laughs> you know, I wanted right. to work with like Brazzers, Penthouse, Hustler, you know, so I wouldn't have known how to kind of get my foot in the door, so to speak, if it hadn't been for my agent seeing some of my just regular non-film nude modeling work online and in magazines and been approached. And I was like, Oh, me? Uh, me? Right. I'm so flattered. I'm like, uh, yes, I would like to do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> do you find, or uh, let me rephrase this. I would imagine that in your 30s, being mature mentally would, and just seeing the world would give you an advantage in the business of negotiating versus someone that are in their 20s. You shake your head, yes. What are some of the other pros and cons in that situation? I'd say at least for me, with my personality type, thinking of who I was when I was 18 years old, for example, when you would be allowed to enter the industry and who I am now at 42, I think there's a lot of things that age has brought me that have really translated well into my success in the business uh, from very simple things like being really on top of my finances, you know, having all of that set, understanding taxes, understanding my physical boundaries. What do I like? What do I not like? What am I willing to do? Um, just being comfortable enough in my own shoes to say no to certain things constantly right. and comfortably. Um, having been an independent businesswoman uh, as a physical therapist before porn, so just having all of that basically life experience, not even pornographic experience, but basic life experience under my belt, I think really set me up to avoid some of the pitfalls a lot of younger people face, which are, you know, potentially choosing a bad agent, take, being taken advantage of, not thoroughly reading contracts, not setting themselves up appropriately financially for what is like athletes, you know, in, in your line of work a relatively short career. You might, as an athlete or pornographer, make a lot of money while you're working, but like an athlete, your body can't do this forever. And especially for women, it's an aesthetic art. And as we age, we tend to age out of that genre of, you know, being people wanting to watch you fuck. <laughs> so, you know, we have to kind of like, you know, make hay while we can and all those old adages and, and save our money like an athlete would. Because right. but you might work, 
10 amazingly lucrative years, but I hope to live into my 90s and be comfortable. So you have to account for that. You can't have a lifestyle that lives up to your short-term income. So just knowing that and being an adult and understanding life helped Sheree, um, when I look at, I, I, I like that you, you bridge the gap between your profession and my profession specifically because um, I think where our our industries mesh is kind of where you, you, you mentioned. I think if this career in adult field doesn't work out for you, I think maybe being an anchor would because you segue perfectly into your prior career, uh, which was as a physical therapist. How did your career as a physical therapist help you in the process of just, I guess the word would be preserving your body or perkiness or just just overall good health and aesthetics in the, in the profession that you're in now? Yeah, so most physical therapists like myself are pretty uh, health conscious. You know, we uh, feel like, you know, our bodies are the one thing that we, we have. You gotta keep them healthy, strong. So that's definitely one thing that helped me, but I think as a physical therapist, I'm just really comfortable with the human body. You know, with my patients, I'm comfortable with nudity. I'm comfortable with touching. I'm comfortable with intimacy. None of that has any shame to me. None of it has any, you know, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. So I think just being super comfortable with other strangers in a very intimate way segues really well into porn. Do you still do physical therapy or did you walk away from that? And you, so you do both. But I do therapy very, very limited, just enough to maintain my license because like I did say, you can't, can't do porn forever. So if for some reason, you know, I wasn't able to completely retire on my porn income and I might need, you know, to segue back into that later in life. I would imagine that you have to be very particular with the type of clientele that you service, because you might be working with fans who might have an agenda. Is yeah. that a fair assessment? Yeah, it hasn't come up yet, but I've placed myself, before porn, I did uh, sports and spine physical therapy. Okay. So that has a lot of you know younger people that have sometimes relatively minor problems. Um, since I started porn, I've been doing um, home health, and to qualify to get your insurance to pay for home health, you have to be so, uh, you know, ill or have so many physical problems that you actually can't leave the home. So if you're seeing me for home health physical therapy, the last thing you give a shit about is what I've been doing. Like you've had a spinal cord injury. You can't walk. You've had major surgery. You've had a bad stroke. You know, you're very elderly. You're not the population, you know, you, you've got real shit going on. You're not going to be like, so. <laughs> <You know? laughs> wait, wait, do that again. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was my come on. That was pretty bad. I, I wouldn't do well in a bar environment. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you may have answered that, but I, I want to simplify it. What is your vetting process for like clientele and who you service? Is it more who you know? Is it people in your industry? Is it like, like, how do you vet that? I don't. I've, I've just been really lucky so far. But if I did find somebody that was being inappropriate, just like people before porn were occasionally inappropriate, 
I would refer them to a colleague. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Your background in physical therapy, um, I find it fascinating. I tore my ACL uh, in a pickup basketball game some years ago. Mm. Um, that basically had me sitting for like a year recovery. You know, I did, I did like did you do the repair. Uh, yeah, they did the they, but I, but I didn't. I don't. I. For me, I find it very uncomfortable that they would look into your hamstring or another part of your body and replace it. But then the cadaver is a dead person's body yeah, too. Either the little, the, the patella, the little piece of yeah. flesh below your kneecap, mm -hmm. part of your hamstring, which as you know is in the back of your leg, or um, you know a very cleaned uh, cadaver. What did you end up using? The cadaver. I, didn't, yeah. I don't want them digging in another part of my body. Yeah. That, that would be the choice I would make as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so everyone's comfort radio. level is different. And for me, as a relatively petite woman, mm -hmm. I think even the doctors would push me in that direction because I don't have as robust, you know, a, a tendon as like a larger man would have to, to take from. How tall are you? 5'3". <laughs> yeah, your, your swag seems taller. Thank you. Oh, I got tall swag. <laughs> there you go. So look, when you talk about physical therapy, um, you, you, I feel like you've had a background in physical therapy. You had a background. You have a background in the adult industry. You've also done some campaigns recently. I, I noticed that you did something leading up to election day, uh, getting people to the polls. Yes. So those who are tardy to the party, as we're still going through this transition process from one president to the next. What was your involvement in uh, the election day process? I just wanted people, you know, without going into depth about who, you know, we want to win or who we didn't want to sure. win. I felt really passionate about this election cycle in particular. And I wanted to make sure that everyone was voting. Because don't you hate it when someone that you, you know, whoever wins or loses, everyone's like, oh, complain, complain, complain. And then you're like, well, did you vote? And they're like, no. Then shut up. Then shut up. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure. And my God, the turnout this past election season was really inspiring. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I like. I want to see Americans getting out there. I want whoever wins to be who the people, all of the people, wanted to win. So, yeah, I was uh, pretty pleased. And, yeah, I just wanted to use my, my platforms to advocate voting and to help get the resources out to anybody who wasn't able to find them for their states, especially with the COVID, you know, did you get your mail-in ballot? How do you get a mail-in ballot? How do you turn in your mail-in ballot? Just to kind of get those resources out to people. Do you remember the first time you voted? Um, I'm trying to remember who my very first election was. My God, one of the Bushes was one that one i can't remember who his running mate was though it was a long freaking time ago <laughs> yeah yeah i remember the first time i voted ironically is when the bush was running it was two, mm -hmm. the 2004 election it was bush and carol there you go thank you i'm like who the heck ran against bush back then <laughs> so were you talking about george w or his, or herbert walker um well i was let's see if I'm 42 now, I'm trying to count back to when I turned 18 because I voted like immediately as soon as I was leaving. Okay. Out to gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. No, 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 that's that's a fair assessment. Tell me something. What is something that during COVID 
you learned about yourself? That I really need people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be okay to take a bit of a break, but it right. turns out I get a lot of just inner life from mm -hmm. communicating. And I don't know if it's my, my generation or my age, but I felt like a lot of my younger friends and colleagues fared a lot better with their, um, by being satiated with online communications, you know, by being satiated with Zoom and texting and phone calls and all these other things that I'm glad exist. But it turns out that I'm not particularly well fed socially from these online meetings. Uh, I don't know if it's a personality thing or a generational thing, but I just can't wait to just get my hands on people. You know, I just want to like hug my friends and like go dancing and touch people and just look and feel their energy. You know, it's just so nurturing and 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 amazing to me. So that's the the main thing I think I really found out about myself is that I'm a lot more social and in-person social than I thought I was. I grew up in the Black Baptist Church and um it's crazy because for me, 2020 was such a busy year from the gate. Um, yeah. It was a carryover from 2019. And I took a vacation in January before all this craziness started. I played in a, in a celebrity basketball game in, in January. And then in February, um, I went to All-Star Weekend in, in Chicago and then stuff shut down. Um, while I was kind of home, um, I realized I had been wanting to go to church since the beginning of the year. And I just had been so busy. My home church wasn't able to go. And when you use the word fed, um, to me, that stood out because um, that's what church is. It's communion. It's like that's church is a building, but the, the, the fellowship with people is the actual process of it. And what I find is with Zooms and with you know, StreamYard, which we're on now and Instagram Lives, that's cool. That supplements it. But there's nothing like, like we as humans need interaction like plants need water. That's yeah. our water. Yeah. And and it's not, it just isn't the same to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm a big, the only big group activity I did very regularly um, was swing dancing. Hmm. I just miss every part of it. You know, the different partners and feeling the music and moving my body and just there just probably like being in church there's just an energy in the room it's just even if i weren't doing anything just feeling that energy is so beautiful tell me something you talked about music what's on your playlist currently uh i've been doing a lot of christmas music because it's the uh -huh. holiday season of course but i like old stuff i like 40s 50s 60s i listen to a lot of you know old crooners ella at a james mm -hmm. all the old even like um i like old blues snooks eagland um yeah i just love older jazz with a strong passion charlie parker Dizzy yes, yes yes sold <laughs> what is something like i asked you about like kind of something you you realize about yourself what is that one or two things that are your passion projects that you said you'll get to it, you'll get to it, that you'll get to it, that you're finally getting to it or got to it? Organizing all my content and organizing it on certain hard drives, backing everything up, making sure like 
I got every month categorized. I feel like my organizational level, I've always loved organizing. I'm a bit, you know, like that. But over quarantine, I've really crushed it with just like digging everything out and finally having time to put the days into it that it needed. I had Lisa Ann on the Heavy Live with Scoopy show um, about a month and a half, two months ago. And I asked her this question. She transitioned into sports radio specifically as it relates to Sirius XM. Um, she transitioned from one world to another. And I get my question for her, and I'm, I'm going to remix it with you, was where's, has it ever happened or occurred to you that a dad and his son have recognized you at the same time? Um, where's the craziest place that you have been recognized either individually or with a father and a son? Um, gosh, from Disney World to oh, wow. the, uh, that big um, Red Sox game uh, in London, but Red Sox versus Yankees, mm -hmm. uh, the airport all the time, restaurants. Oh, gosh, I feel like you name it. <laughs> Are you a sports fan, though? I do watch a little bit of uh, baseball, but that's about it. Yeah. Who's your squad? Who do you like? Red Sox. New England squad. My okay. family had a house on the Cape, when I, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, when I was growing up. So, yeah, New England squad. I have a lot of relatives that are into the Sox. A lot of Massachusetts clan into the whole, you know, Red Sox nation situation. So... <laughs> I take I take uh, family vacations to to Martha's Vineyard, so I have a great respect for that area. Uh, yes, I, I've I've seen I've been to the vineyard in day trips, but I've never like spent serious time there. It's gorgeous. You mentioned that you are a New England sports fan, mm -hmm. but specifically baseball. Were you sad to see? I'll take this an octave higher. Were you sad to see Tom Brady leave the Patriots? You know what? I don't do a whole lot of football, but I know most of my relatives were crushed because he's like, he's like an icon there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah. I feel like that was a really, 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 really big moment for a lot of the, the fans. So PlayStation or Xbox? I have everything. I have switch. I have PlayStation. I have Xbox. I can't wait to get the new PlayStation whenever I can get my hands on it. I have them all. I have a GameCube. I have a Nintendo 64. Yeah, I have it all. And I use it all. Where did your interest in gaming first start? When Super Mario Brothers, well, my dad had an Atari and I played the Atari, fine. But yes. when Super Mario Brothers hit and Nintendo was the thing when I was a kid, it, it blew my mind. I've been hooked ever since. Do you remember Duck Hunt? Of course. Yeah, I had the Duck Hunt controller. I had the power pad for the Olympics where you're like, yeah. The track meet. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, you could kind of cheat by doing like really small steps. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, you talked about video games and you talked about Mario Brothers. Um, current gen, um, what are some of the games that we would catch you playing? Um, right now, I'm circling back and playing, uh, it's a two-year-old game called Fallout 76. Mm -hmm. I was a huge fan of the Fallout franchise, and then a bunch of my gamer friends told me that 76 was a massive disappointment, it's this, it's that. Right. I skipped it. 
And then a friend of mine in the industry was like, no, I actually really liked 76. And I'm like, really? Cause like nobody else did. So I'm circling back on that. I'm also playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And then as soon, I, I want to play it right this second, Cyberpunk, mm -hmm. but I do not yet have the newest PlayStation because I can't get my fucking hands on it. And I heard that if you get, you can play it on the older PlayStation or, and maybe even Xbox, but I heard that the graphics just stuck on the older systems. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to try and make myself wait until I can get the new PlayStation so that I can play that game. But like all my PC gamer friends are already playing it and already into it. And so I feel left behind. You made mention um, of the, the new generation uh, games and one game and the old generation, one of the generation or one of the games that I think people sleep on. And I think was the catalyst for where we are now. You ready for it? I'm ready. Sega Dreamcast. Really? That you mean? Yeah, I had, um, I missed a few years in there while I was in college and grad okay. school. So I had a little bit of experience with PlayStation one only because a friend of mine had it. Like I had all the systems and then like nothing. And then like, what was my next? Then I had GameCube and the mm -hmm. Xbox that was around then. And then I've had like, the past few playstations but you think dreamcast huh so you so so think about it right so dreamcast was the first system um that had the on playing online capability now it was dial up still but what happened was people were able to bootleg the games because the the cds were like weren't encrypted mm. So like, I'll give you an example. So when I was in, you mentioned college, when I was in college, I had a friend who, who had um, all the Nintendo games ever made on one disc. Nuts. And so I would, um, he gave it to me. He just, he didn't even sell it, he gave it to me. And I took it home for like the, the, the like at the end of my freshman year, I was playing it and I held on to it. When I went away to grad school, that's how I used to, um, have female friends come over. We would play. We would play Mario Brothers, Barbie, Duckwing Duck. Scoop yes. Media. All that stuff, straight off the strength of that. So it was like I relived my childhood, but it was a conversational starter. So you, you have friends over, not just ladies. Like you, you have. I would have like you know study sessions with with my classmates, and we'd have wine, and in between like breaks and stuff, would would play Dreamcast, play old Nintendo games. That's why I still have my sixty four because it has Mario Kart on it mm -hmm. and I have enough controllers so that when I have friends over, even non-gamer friends, like everybody loves Mario Kart, you know? When I was in undergrad, um, guys would be in the dorms up until like four o'clock in the morning playing Mario Kart. Oh yeah. To me, the game that I liked on N64, I would play with my cousin Devin. We would play 007 uh, all day. Oh fun, I never played that one, is it good? <laughs> It, I feel like 007 was the catalyst for Halo. There's a get, yeah. How come? Um, because I mean, when so when I was in college, we would we would have the old Xbox, and so we would use the landline, and like a dorm would go against a dorm, and we would do the capture the flag. Yeah. Um, and this was back like when when you were in college, like 
the school would shut down your landline if you just had too much damn traffic going on at a time because I was downloading hella music. Yeah. But I feel like when, when I look at Halo, I went back after the fact and played 007 and I found that 007 was Halo without the internet and capture the flag. I bet the creator, I, I would be interested to know then if the creators of Halo were big fans, and I bet they were, of yeah. that 007 game. For yeah. Sure. For yeah. sure. You talked about PlayStation, and, I, and I'm, I'm curious to know from your perspective, or in Xbox, um, what the biggest difference, I'm not the biggest game in the world, but I can hang with you guys, the biggest differences between the two systems. Well, in the beginning, now I feel like they're both pretty comparable, although PlayStation has an edge right now because they're the newest. Mm -hmm. um, but at the beginning, I really preferred Xbox because I thought it was more intuitive and user-friendly, like the interface. And PlayStation just seemed a little like more confusing. Mm -hmm. um, but now I feel like with the new PlayStation, the graphics are so far superior. That's kind of how I go. Like whose graphics are superior is one of my choices. But another big one is if a franchise I love drops on only one system, I'm going to buy it. Like for a while, God, was Final Fantasy, what system was it on? Because I'm a huge Final Fantasy RPG person. You and got me going to Google For right a while, now. it was only dropping on one of the systems. Right. So, you know, hooked there. But that was a game-based choice, not a system-based choice. Are you a Marvel versus Capcom kind of gal? I, I prefer the Marvel a bit, yeah, yeah. The, especially versus if you're going Marvel versus like DC Universe, yeah. Or, yeah. I feel like this. I think you're going to be young forever, but I do think, I mean that, but I, but I do think that when you decide that you no longer want to do the adult industry, I think you're going to make a seamless transition into gaming because um, you actually play. Love it. Love it. I would play a lot more if I had more time. This stupid business job situation is really getting in the way of my gaming. So, <laughs> How did your family react the first time that they found that? Well, I guess, how did you break the news to them? That you I told them before I started just because, yeah. like, I mean, you're going to find out. Yeah. And that's what I tell all new girls. They're like, well, I haven't told anyone yet. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know what your relationship is with your family, but we're close. You know, that would be like a huge breach of like trust, if that makes sense. Like, oh, I did this huge thing and just forgot to tell you, like, nah, you know what I mean? So no, they weren't thrilled, but I think it was because I was already a grown up who mm -hmm. had got my, like if I was 18 and I'm like, I'm dropping out of college to be born, they'd be like, absolutely not. Hell no, full stop, get your shit together. You're not doing that, but like, I don't know. I was grown and accomplished already. If someone in the industry are in relationships, um, is relationships and porn a thing? Like, how do you how do you how do you deal with that with your significant other? Is it common to see people in the industry date more because of it? Uh, I, I'm with someone who's not in porn, but most people who do porn not because they necessarily want to, but because kind of our only options except for a rare gem of people are other performers because this is the especially with female performers this is just an old tale 
you start dating someone. They're super cool with what they you do. Stup no, I'm totally fine with it. It's great. It's great. It's great. A few months, weeks, however long it takes goes by. Everybody's starting to get feelings now, right? You're maybe you're starting to fall in love. You've got a crush. Then come the ultimatums. They usually start with, oh, maybe don't do this sex act. Don't do these people. Don't, 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 don't. And then it ends up with like, hey, can you quit your job for me? <laughs> Every time. Yeah. Can you imagine if every time you dated someone, they're like, everything is really cool and I know we're a year in, but could you like quit your whole job? <laughs> how do you, but, but like, how do you remove feelings on set with someone? I don't think you have to. I have special relationships with a lot of the talent that I've been working with, you know, working with slash having sex with for the past 10 years. Um, I don't have crushes on them. I don't feel like romantically toward them, but Scoop they do. Ready. They have, you know, a special place in my heart. You get to know people. You get to know what they like sexually. You talk to them. You spend 12 hour days on set with them during features. Like they're all in, even if I don't like text them and stuff like mm. friend, friend, they all have like special places in my heart. Even if I don't, like them or wouldn't want to hang out with them they're still kind of like i don't know like like as if you went to summer camp sure. and like you're like i hate that person but also like oh you know like they're sure. still part of your crew <laughs> does the person that you're on set with that you're intimate with count as in someone's body count oh that's a good you know i i stopped keeping track sometime in my 20s because i'm a bit yeah. of a um, but like, if I kept track, I would keep track of them. Yeah. No, that, that, that's, I think that this industry, I think, um, the thing that I have found interesting about that industry, the entertainment industry is just the act of sex, the act of, um, intimacy. It's a business. It's an industry. How do you quantify that? So you're, you're, you're definitely, you know, giving me some, perspective on your world. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a really, I think a lot of people confuse sex and love. Sure. Maybe, maybe to someone who's not in porn, all of my past sexual partners would be like, like imagine all your hookups. Mm -hmm. Like you don't like them or hate them, but like they have a special place in your heart as like a fun moment. Like you're not in love, right. but like, you know, they're cool. That's real. <laughs> That's real. That's real. Best piece of advice that you received from anyone in your industry going in. Mm. Trademark your name and start a business immediately. Those mm. two things that a lot of people kind of wait on. Mm -hmm. um, but when you have your own, whether it's a C Corp, LLC, however you want to do it, um, your taxes are on a different level. You're really uh, safer in terms of like a variety of lawsuits if you produce your own content. So that's really important. And then trademarking your name. I've had so many fellow performers that I know pick a name, build a name, and then some other performer, agent, random person takes their name. They didn't trademark it. They have no recourse. Or 
um, does a cease and desist. I had a friend who accidentally named herself after a toy company and they did a cease and desist after she had been in porn for like four years. So having to rebrand yourself with a new name is a bit of a nightmare. One of the viewers uh, on uh, it, it, that are watching uh, said to me that you would make a killing using Twitched, Twitch to for video games. Have you thought about using Twitch? Because they said another income you would definitely kill. Is that something you, you have or you're considering? I would love to Twitch if I had time. I actually um, am good friends with several very high-end professional Twitch streamers. Um, I'm good friends with the voice actor who voiced uh, Ghost in the last Call of Duty. He's a mm -hmm. huge Twitch gamer. Um, and what I've found from everyone who does it successfully professionally is that you really do have to be on almost every day. You know, at least five, six days a week for pretty large chunks of time. And while I know I would enjoy doing that, I just don't have the time. You know, I just don't have the time to dedicate even three hours a day to the Twitch streaming, which is what it would take. Like, I don't think you can become a relevant Twitcher going on twice a week or once a month. Hey, you know, it takes, just like being an adult and owning a Snapchat, OnlyFans, you know, point of account, whatever it is you do, it takes consistency. Because if you build a fan base and then you're just not there for a while, like what if your Netflix just crapped out for three days a week? Like you wouldn't subscribe to that shit, you know? <laughs> nah, that's real, that's real. <laughs> Thank you answered all of my questions. I feel like, like, oh, you know what I wanted to ask you before before I let you go? You did a partnership with Coolio. Yes! Two-part question. When did you fall in love with hip-hop music? Uh, well, you know, I was born in 78, so I went through a lot of my formative years when hip-hop was, like, boss. When, like, Snoop was coming out and Dre was around and, like, Coolio and, like, the early 90s, I mean, I know everyone would argue with me, but like when like TLC and everyone was like happening, yeah. so, you know, I think it's a generational thing. Like, I don't think anyone my age isn't in love mm -mm. with hip hop, you know, because <laughs> it blew our minds then. Like, I felt like everything was so new and amazing. This, listen, I'm going to tell you, this guy, Likely Ray X6, is giving me like the best questions to ask you. He asked me about Twitch with you. He asked me about the whole gaming thing. He just sent in the messages. He said, tell her I'll sell her my PS5 for autograph or merch. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, yes. <laughs> we got to facilitate that. Likely Ray, we, we, we'll facilitate that. But yeah, he wants your yeah. autograph and some merch. Dude, I got I got strokers, I got my MILF in a box, I got all kinds of shit. DVDs, I got so much. <laughs> I, I think I think we may have created some type of sale. I'll sign all kinds, I'll put my blueprint on it. Oh, <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the, the porn industry, or the, is is it is it porn industry or adult industry? What is, what is the it's both? You know, I call it the adult industry because Maybe back in the day, you could call it porn because people were stayed in their little boxes. You're right. either filming porn or you're, you know, streaming or you're da, 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 da. But now I feel like sex workers, because you can be a pornographer and just have an OnlyFans and never have been to L.A. ever. You know, so I feel like it's the adult industry. Those of us creating adult content, however we're creating it for other people to consume. You guys are a lot like wrestlers. 
actually yeah i watched a netflix documentary on the wrestling world and i'm like oh my god it's so similar like even the way we work legally and the way we're kind of shit on with our contracts and all kinds of different stuff it's very the way we're not really unionized properly it's very similar and it's crazy because i found out recently like the wwe specifically does not allow like they kind of own you your name your and you can't do twitch really i found that out i if, if, if correct me if i'm wrong and someone that i spoke to that's what they told me that's a, it it wouldn't surprise me at all and it's so sad because they don't really have the contracts to support, in my opinion, that level of exclusivity. But yeah, that is the way that, that, that wouldn't surprise me if that were true. Mm. What is the ultimate goal for you post-career? Retire comfortably, take care of you know my family, do a bunch to of volunteer work, now. you know, live life, stay happy. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I think you answered all my questions almost 45 minutes in. Um, Heavy Live with Scoop B here with Shari Deville talking all things industry, video games. I feel like we talked about video games more than we did the actual industry. It's because they're so much fun. <laughs> I like it. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. You are officially off the hot seat. Ooh. <laughs> what if I want to get back on the hot seat? <laughs> What do you want to tell us that, that I didn't ask you? No, nothing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> well, you heard it first. Likely Ray X6 said, tell Cherie to follow me on Twitter. That's the guy with the PlayStation. Wait, I have to write it down. Yes. Write what? that down. Likely Ray X6. So likely L-I-K-E-L-Y. Yep. Ray, R-A-Y, the letter X, and the number six. All right. I got you. I got you likely, Ray. Yes, man. Well, 44 minutes, 14 seconds in. You're off the hot seat, man. Thank you. Thank you. It was a good time. Thank you for having me so much. Yes, man. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along, and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.